Welcome to 15 to Life, the podcast that talks about life after life in prison. Come with us on a journey and explore stories from within the prison walls to outside the prison walls. All of these podcasts are dedicated to the victims of crime. Hey, what's going on, everyone? It's the podcast 15 Alive, the podcast where we talk about life after having a life sentence in prison. And today we're going to get into part two of Interview with a Killer. So if you didn't catch part one, please go listen to that one first. But this is an interview with Uso Ron, uh, my boy, my homie, my Samoan brother, Uso Ron. Uh, I did a lot of time with Ron in Solano State Prison. Um, and we're very good friends to this day. Check out Ron's channel at 30 to Life. He's on Instagram and YouTube. Bunch of great content out, and he's been featured on a few podcasts now as well. But anyway, this part of the interview, he's already made it up through. We've talked about you know his upbringing and getting into trouble and going to a level four prison. In this part of the interview, we're talking about him transferring from a level four to a level three prison, which is where we first met at Solano State Prison. So we're going to jump right into the interview. Hope you all enjoy it. Comment, share, like, and let us know what else you want to hear about. All right, here we go. Oh, yeah. So, all right. So, so we got juvenile hall, go to YA, getting hit up, fighting all day. Get to Quinn, high desert, lockdown, going through the shit. Then you you, you pull up at, at the beach over at, at, at Club Med Solano. What, what was that like coming from a war zone and going to Solano? And just for everyone else, just so you know, Solano, it, it, it's a softer level three, level two yard. So it's not as much drama stuff happens. But yeah, anyway, what was that like? Yeah, so uh, it wasn't like, showing up to San Quentin. It was um actually it was it was it was weird and it was hard. So um I remember pulling up there and we're in the holding tanks at R and R and you know you're just kinda waiting for them to process you and figure out where they're gonna send you what yard, what building. And um I remember the cop coming up and calling my name and calling me up to the door and, and he starts questioning me. He asked me, What are you? And I said, I'm Samoan and he goes okay, yeah, are you the Samoans that run with South or North? And I said, what are you talking about? And he said, yeah, you know, do you guys run with South or North? And I looked at him directly in his eye and I said, I said, if, if my people's is running with South or North here, you can put me back on the bus. And I went and sat back down and <laughs> a couple of brothers that were in the cell, they was cracking up. It was laughing and shit, but I was serious. I was dead serious. Cause I didn't know what the fuck he meant, you know? And, um, he walked away and I was asking the guy, what does that mean? And, you know, and they were just basically telling him, he probably just testing you, you know? But, um, so after that, you know, I thought, man, this is a weird ass place. And I'm thinking I'm going to hit the yard and, and see some weird shit. So I get there. I remember them taking me to the yard and I think I was in a three building when I first got there. Yeah. It's, it's, it starts off on three, three yards, starts off one, two, three, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was in three building. Y'all was in one. Yeah. That was right before we moved yep. over there. Yep. <laughs> yep. So I went to three building and I remember I had all my shit with me and I, and they put me on the top tier. So I go up the stairs and it's yard, it's yard, t- like, um, it's unlocked. 
So people are coming in from the yard and then they're going to run back out. Right. I've never seen nothing like that before. So <laughs> I'm on the top tier and I'm waiting at my cell door to get popped so I can go take my stuff in and people come in from the yard and you know how it is Tito. They're they're not walking. People are running, you know, like running up and down the tears. All right, man. And everybody's yelling, Hey man, make sure you bring this, make sure you do that. Hey, all right, hurry up, man. Hurry up. You know, and it's, it's chaos. And, uh, I remember just being up there and this guy was running towards me. He's just running, you know, cause I guess he's trying to run it, but I didn't know what the hell was going on. It was some white guy. And I remember just dropping my shit on the ground and getting ready to get down <laughs> and, and right past me. And I, I was having, my heart was, was thumping and I put myself against the wall and finally the cop saw me he popped my cell. I went in, put my stuff down. And then uh, I was like, man, I got to go out to the yard. So I put my stuff down and I, I go out to the yard and I'm, I don't know where anybody's at. I don't know nobody. And I'm just walking and I could see, you know, you see the homies at the table, you know, and you see all the Islanders, you know, big heads and all that shit. <laughs> and I, and I think it was Fita that I recognized first. And he was just like, you know, what's up? You know, he's happy that I showed up and all that. And then went to the table, got to meet everybody and everything. And then I remember just, everybody just kind of went back to normal, you know, after I met them, you know, because everybody's doing something, playing chess, playing soccer, playing softball, doing, going to canty. People are just running off, coming back to the table. It's, it's, it's chaotic for me because high desert, it's quiet, you know what I mean? And not a lot of movement. When there's a lot of movement, people are dying, you know. Right. But right here, it was just, it was, it was different. And so I remember just standing there. I didn't sit down. I was just standing like kind of off from the table a little bit, just standing there watching everybody stuck. <laughs> yeah so it took a long time for me to you know get with the program the Solano program which I, I don't think I ever really did I ended up just kind of doing my own thing by the time I got to level two so I, <laughs> yeah. yeah I'd say that yeah <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> oh yeah so all right so so you kind of went through your assimilation process to, to yeah. what you were comfortable with right um and and yeah, I mean, even me, I I never went to another prison, but everything I got geared up for in county jail, yeah, Solano threw me off too. I was like, this this ain't what it's supposed to be like. But at yeah. the same time, I was kind of happy too. But yeah, um, I mean, don't get it twisted. People were dying in Solano, but you know, it's not like you know, like you know, what I came from, where it was constant, constant chaos. Right. You know, what I mean, like constant fighting, constant war. You know. With Solano, you get to kick it for a while. You get to sun suntan in the grass and lay out and shit and roll your pants up. Yeah. You know, yeah, I never got used to that. <laughs> I never did. Or wearing headphones, I, I couldn't do it. Yeah, yeah. And, and I've never been to a level four, but I just I couldn't do it. <laughs> like you're tripping. I'm like, I need to know what's going on. I can't. I can't do it. But um, yeah. yeah. All right. So. So how long total did you do in Solano before like the whole appeal process started for you? And then how much time were you incarcerated up until that point as well? I think, um, man, it was real quick. I was going to say, yeah. It was real quick. I think I was there maybe a year, a year and a half. You know, it was real fast, I remember. And um, cause I had been in high desert, I think for three years. So it took almost five years for my appeal. Yeah. So yeah, it was real quick. And then I remember kind of like you, but 
we weren't on lockdown. Um, they, they called me to the program office to come pick up uh, legal mail. I hated walking over there to get my legal mail. The CL being lazy, he don't want to come <laughs> and pass that shit out to the building. <laughs> but um, so I, I, you know, I remember just there was nobody on the yard, and, and it was kind of in the evening. It was after after uh, Chow, and um, you know, in between lockup, Chow and um, getting released for evening. So it was in between that time, and I went over there and uh, I got my envelope, big old Manila envelope, legal mail. And I was walking across the field from the program office, walking back to um, to the building. And I remember just like opening it just like you the same way. And, I, and, and, and mine came in the same manner because we had the same attorney. You know? <laughs> and I pulled it open and it was saying, you know, like, um, I'm happy to tell you congratulations. Your appeal, you know, your case has been overturned, you know, happy holidays. It was around the holidays. And um I was like, whoa. And I didn't finish reading it. Same like, yeah, I just kind of closed it and I just like tucked it out of my arm. But I remember walking and every step I took, like, I remember it was just like hitting me harder and harder and harder. And I remember I was having trouble keeping myself together. And then I remember um, getting back to the building and they started releasing like a couple cells here and there. People were out already. You know, a lot of people are still out, even though they're not supposed to be. <laughs> so I went and hopped on the phone real quick and called my wife. And at this time, me and my wife weren't really talking. We had fallen off a little bit, but, you know, she's still, still keeping up with my case and everything. So I called her. And I was like, hey, uh, did you hear about my case? That shit got overturned. And she was like, yeah, I was trying to come visit you, you know what I mean, to tell you. And I was like, damn, like, I was tripping. And I just asked her to, you know, go to the, the court hearing up in, was it San Francisco? Right. To go there to the court hearing, you know, I, you know, I don't know if people are allowed to do that or anything, but will you go if they let you? And she's like, yeah, sure, you know. And so she went, a few other people went you know, to hear that, that, that hearing before that. So she was telling me that experience and she was just saying, yeah, it was like really good because he went in there kind of like what you said, your parents said about him, the little squirrely guy. <laughs> um, that's exactly how she was saying, yeah, he's just this little guy. And he was looking up at the judge, like, cause he's looking up at them and he's looking up at the judges and he was just firing off all the 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 laws and 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 the the wrongs that they did the district attorney did and he was just firing it off at the judges and then the judges pretty much just looked at the attorney general was like you have anything to say and she was pretty much like no but you know like she said a little bit but it wasn't much and then they start actually questioning her like you don't see nothing wrong with this like this being violated and all this so yeah, I know. So when they got in the elevator, she had the chance to talk to our attorney, right? And um, in the elevator, and he had told them, like my family and everybody, he just said that, like, I've never seen the judges respond like that before. So like, you never know what can happen, but it looks, looks good. That's what right. he said. <laughs> you know, because he's never seen them respond like that before, he said. So, so they had hopes already, but they didn't tell me that. So that's <laughs> cool you know so yeah yeah that's what happened man and yeah here we are <laughs> crazy crazy so so yeah. after everything gets overturned and everything what happened then so you had 30 to life then what did mm -hmm. you know? like you got to go back to court yeah so i go all the way back to court 
and I'm sitting there for almost a year again and they want to take me to trial. They're not offering nothing. And then right before trial, you know, I, I was, I think I was there nine months or something right before trial, they offer, uh, they offer a deal and the deal was basically, um, for me to take six years plus a strike, double up 12 years. And, you know, I don't know, those of you who haven't watched my channel, I, I still have a discrepancy of what happened that night. You know, to me, the facts of what happened that night is very important. And I felt like it wasn't coming out, you know, so I ended up shocking everybody and, and denying the, the deal. And uh, like, because my attorney had told the judge and the district attorney, everybody that we're taking a deal, it's a package deal. So everyone has to take it. Right. I have four co-defendants. So everybody has to take it. If one doesn't take it, then no one gets it. And two people were going home and two of us were going back to prison. And the guy that actually, you know, and he'll, he'll speak on it himself in his own way, but he, you know, who I felt that was really responsible for this whole thing was getting out before me. And so I just felt like there was, you know, what kind of justice is this, you know? So that's why I said no, but my attorney went and talked to my wife and, and, and my kid and, you know, and then they came back and they were like having a meeting with me that evening, you know, cause they were just shocked that I just said no to the damn deal off a 30 life sentence, you know, and you know, when you go back, everybody tells you, I don't care if they give you a hundred years, yeah, take as long as the L ain't on there, take that shit, you know? And, but I was like, nah, man, you know, cause I just feel like, you know, I'm not the one completely responsible for this crime. You know, I'll take my responsibility, but you know, I'm not, they were still painting me out as the main guy and I didn't like that. But uh, when they came, my family and the, and, and my attorney came, they, you know, talked to me and basically told me, Hey man, look, you're going to get out your kid. You get to see your kid again. You know what I mean? You get to see your, your wife again. You know what I mean? It's not like, you know, if you stick with this life sentence or if you go to trial and we lose, you know, we're, you know, you got to think about that. And, and then, you know, so I had to get rid of the chip on my shoulder and, you know, I had to eat that. Yeah. <laughs> so I went back to prison with, uh, to serve a little more time. I think like five more years or something like that. Yeah. I served a total of 10 years, four months. Yeah. yeah. Yep. And like I said, I'm still mad you got out before me, but that's all right. Oh, <laughs> yeah, no. So, all right. So, boom, from life sentence to, to where you got to go to board and the board is basically going to tell you no 90% of the time anyway, unless you really get lucky mm -hmm. to now you got this, this light at the end of the tunnel. You got, you got a date. Now, how does your program change when you come back to Solano? Or does it change? Like what, what, what happens? What, what's your mentality like now? Yeah. So I come back to prison and you know, my, my mentality hasn't changed. Um, you know, it's just back to program again, back in prison. I think for me, you know, through all the things I went through in high desert, it just really kind of programmed me to be a certain way when I, you know, when I'm on the yard. So that's basically what I went right back to and getting in, in trouble, you know, even gotten a couple fights and things like that. Um, you know, just not taking 
my my second chance serious, you know? And I remember just sitting there and I was like a couple of homies would talk to me. Like one of the homies, Clumsy, he told me, you know, like, hey, Ron, nothing's changed but your sentence, you know? And, uh, you know, like him, he got me thinking about it. And then the other homie, Tiger, you know, we were talking and um, I was just telling Tiger, you know, like, man, I don't, I don't feel like I deserve it. You know, I feel like the other lifer homies, like, you know, like Fatso and them, you know, they deserve it. You know what I'm saying? Like, I felt like they were like these model prisoners, you know what I mean? Like doing all good and, you know, walking <laughs> around with their paperwork and everything and programming. And, you know, I thought that those are the guys that deserve, I was, you know, fighting and, 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 you know, hustling and trying to get, you know, survive the way I thought I was supposed to survive in there, you know? So nothing changed. Um, even, even when I got to Corcoran, uh, they ended up getting me out of uh, Solano because, uh, I was always like drinking, you know, as a youngster. So that's all in my file and everything. So, you know, I had a drinking problem and they were basically like, well, this program in Corcoran just opened up. It's perfect for you, you know, go handle that before you go home. Cause you know, CDC turned into CDC, RC, whatever, you know, yeah. R. Yeah. So they're trying to rehabilitate everybody. So they sent me to Corcoran to this drug program. That's fucked up as it was fucked up there. You know what I mean? Like I'm talking about like people with R's on their jacket, everything is there. It doesn't matter. Like you want to play politics, man, you're not going to make it. They'll put right. you right over there with in the main line in Corcoran or into the shoe and you're not going to go home. So you know, you have to program, you got to stay, stay there. If you want to go home, that's part of, that was part of the agreement for me to go home is to wow. complete, complete the drug program. Yeah. So it sucks. And, uh, so I was stuck there for a while and, and, you know, you got people coming in that are on drugs that, that just coming fresh from the street, ain't been programming on yards. So you got a lot of fucked up mentalities in there. And, um, I just remember, you know, like, I was going home on a Tuesday and I, I was ending up having to get down with this white dude Sunday, you know, like two days before I went home. So it was just, you know, it was like that there. It was fucked up, you know, but um, yeah, I made it out of that motherfucker. <laughs> and I remember uh, the day I got out. So I'm at, I'm, you know, once you get through the R and R and you get your stuff and you're chained up and you get to this officer at the gate, and he's got his, um, his, uh, he had his clipboard and he's like, you know, CDC number, you know, he asked me for, and I hated it because I knew I was paroling, but then I realized like, I'm going to be saying this number still for a little while. Mm -hmm. And, um, but I remember him just asking me for my CDC number and I just felt like he was doing that, you know, I'm pretty, he could have just asked me my last name or whatever, but Anyways, so he pulls me up and he's like, all right, cool. And he looks up at me and he's like, how long you been down? And I told him, you know, 10 years, four months. And he was like, okay, so are you coming back? And I said, nope. And he said, glad to hear that, man. I wish you the best of luck. And then, you know, I, that was it. And they put me on the van and drove me out those gates uh, to the front where my wife was. Yep. And yeah, that was like it took a while for my freedom to settle in, but you know, that was a whole nother experience too. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. Well, no, yeah. And, let, and let's, uh, well, I, I want to talk about a little bit more prison stuff. So mm -hmm. like talk about even right before getting out, 
you know, getting down with a white dude, right? So, like, how was that? Because you talked about it, you know, YA and everything when you first got to Quinn, but, like, to paint a picture 10 years, like, how many times would you say you fought? Like, I think how many I times? And, and, and this is one thing I think a lot of people don't realize, and sometimes they think about it or they see it in a movie, but sometimes it's not always a fight. Sometimes you check someone, you might just slap someone and they don't do nothing back because they know they were wrong or they just don't want to get beat up. So kind of separate the two. Like how many times would you say you check someone versus you actually had a fight fight or as they call it in prison, a mutual combat? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, in YA, I think, I think I fought more in my whole life in YA, man. That was the most I've ever fought. Um, uh, prison, it wasn't too many fights, you know, I mean, like I got in a few, I mean, more than 10 fights, but I, um, you know, I, I don't want to sound like a bad person, man, but you know, <laughs> I, I was a bad person. I, I, I won't lie. You know, I was a stupid person, you know, but I, I did a lot of, you know, what I consider to be mean things that slap, I slapped a couple of people and, you know, and it's only because, see, with prison, when you think about prison, it's 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 all about, you know, who you are as a man and your respect, you know. And, you know, the the, the biggest, the baddest motherfucker ain't shit. It doesn't matter, you know what I mean? Because, you know, you can get poked full of holes real quick. So it doesn't matter if you're tough or you can fight the best. You've got hella knockouts. But I think for me, like, what it was is that, like, a lot of people seen that it wasn't personal. You know what I mean? Like, if we fought, I would still talk to you, you know? Like, and I'd still look out for you, you know, and things like that. Like, I didn't keep keep it as a grudge thing or keep anything personal because, you know, you know, you might as well just take it to another level if it's personal, you know what I mean? So sometimes people have disagreements, and I just felt like, you know, with us, like a bunch of dudes, a bunch of men, you know, stuck in these, these yards and these buildings, you know what I'm saying? We just got to let that shit out in that type of way, you know, and that's getting down with a motherfucker. It comes out that way, you know? Um, maybe if the prison had better programs, you know, to help us deal with that type of shit. But other than that, yeah, I guess uh, I got in a, a lot of fights, but not a lot to me, man, when, it, when you compare it to CYA, you know? So, yeah. So something else you brought up was, you know, <clears throat> the whole getting the corkroom based on what was in your file about drinking and stuff. So while you were in, in the prison system, how much of that were you doing? Drinking, okay. and smoking and everything. Right. Um, so when I got to a uh, high desert, um, you know, different rules, of course, but I still got my alcohol. Um, I remember I used to buy um, wine from this this guy in um, High Desert. From he's like a couple cell doors from me, from, down from me, so it was easy for him to slide to me anytime. Um, so I would buy like I don't know, maybe two, three gallons a, a week. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean, and, and 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 I would just have it. I mean, like I would, like as if I was on the streets. I'd have my cup full, and I'd go to work like that. You know what I mean? I I would be wake up, I'd be drinking, go to work in the kitchen, and then come back sitting there sipping, just like a normal thing. And um, I think I drank a lot 
when I was there in high desert, but you have to keep that under wraps. Like you can't come out, you know, or, you know, the homies will fuck you up. So, you know, I, I did it in this cell. Yeah. I got in a fight with a cell before, you know, we got, we, <laughs> we got in a drunken fight before in the cell, <laughs> but you know, just, you do what you got to do. You know what I mean? So yeah, that's what I had. But when it came to like weed or anything like that, I remember I bought weed one time in high desert and it, and it came rolled in, uh, the, the wrapper, the toilet wrapper, the wrapper that goes around the toilet paper. It was rolled in that. And I was like, fuck this man. I fucking (laughs) broke it open. And I'm telling you, man, that shit was like, some dust that you just brush off your, your, your pants and shit. You know, if you were on the streets, that's what was in it. And I spent like $10 for that shit or $12 for that shit. But I rolled that motherfucker back up and smoked that shit. <laughs> uh, I never bought weed again over there. Yeah. But you know, when I got to Solano, it was different. Solano was different, man. Uh, my first day there, I got handed weed just like you, you know, like after talking with the homies for a while, Fita came through and boop, hit me with you know some weed and yeah and then i was like the next day i was like you got some more weed and he was like man <laughs> so, you know fita He's like man you doing too much man <laughs> fita always had me dying man yeah that's a character <laughs> right there yeah oh the tongan smoky <laughs> yeah for real that that's yep. a good description of him uh, that's the hobby <laughs> I think he's still over there in uh, Fiji, right? I think yeah. that's where he's at. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right. So, what about drinking in Solano and, and then in Corcoran? Yeah. So, um, drinking, I picked up drinking again when I started hanging out with you. Um, <laughs> um, I was telling somebody this the other day about I never met anybody in prison that made the best wine than what you had, the stuff you make. You know, Tito was was branding his shit. Red Menace. <laughs> Red Menace. Credible Hulk. Credible Hulk. Yep. Fred, yep. I fucked with that Red Menace. Yeah. That shit was fire. And, and it had its own color, too. It was red. And then the Incredible Hulk was green. All that. So. You gotta love the perks of working in the kitchen and get in the second. jello. <laughs> Someone's here? Okay. Yeah, that's off the hook, man. Yeah, no. Um, but um, yeah, so that's when I picked it up. And you and me, man, we, man, I was telling this person that how me and you would drink. We'd go out, we'd run laps, you know what I mean? Fucking do the workout drunk, fucking everything. And how we'd just pull up on the tower too and be like, and you'd be like, hey, man, pop the door. <laughs> Yard wasn't even out there. And then we were out there running laps and shit, drinking. Yeah. Yeah, I jokingly tell people not to glorify prison or anything, but I was like, yeah, have you ever watched The Goodfellas and when they're in prison, like take away the pots and pans and the lobster, but yeah, I, we had a pretty good, we had a pretty Damn good. near, damn near the <laughs> pots and pans and all that. Well, yeah, we I mean. Hot plates, we had it all, plate, oh. you know. Yep, we had it all. Fried fish with the good sauce, all that shit. Yeah, man. Yeah. Oh, that's it. I that's mean, why I want, yeah, man. People don't know how good we ate, man. And, and, and I just wanted to bring that up. I wanted you to talk about it because I, I want people to understand, like, 
like you're talking about some serious stuff, fights and, and everything else. But, you know, there, there was that other side too, right? You know, yeah. the, you know, yeah. I mean, we did some shit that I look back and go, damn, how we didn't end up in the hole and all kind of just for being stupid and not giving a fuck, you know? <laughs> I mean, we, we would take the cop's chairs and I would push Ron around the building drunk and falling off of that shit. Well, yeah, you know, just being stupid. Talking and, to the female CEOs like yeah. we're on the streets. <laughs> <laughs> and it, I remember that one girl, she was like, y'all been drinking? Hell yeah. <laughs> Fucked up. <laughs> Fucked up right now. Yeah, and, and I mean, to have it to a point where, like, the tower cop would be uh, like, Sergeant, come uh, and you'd be, oh, put everything up real uh, quick. Uh, put out the cigars uh, and shit and, you know, yeah, man. It, um, All right, everyone, that wraps up part two of Interview with a Killer with Uso Ron. And we will be dropping the third leg of this interview probably in the next five to seven days. So be on the lookout for that. Um, It's been been a crazy story thus far, and I'll probably drop in maybe some blooper reels and stuff later. Anyway, like, comment, share. Hope you all are enjoying this interview process and uh, we'll be putting up some video clips soon on YouTube as well. All right. Thank you all. Be safe. Be blessed. Talk to you later.